Picasso's freestyle. Let's do it. Hey. Eating a couple wings with a couple kings. They're my favorite things. Hey. Hey. That's all I got. I'm not a good freestyle rapper. Wait, hold on. I'm waiting for a second. Folks, hope you are having a great Hawkeye hump day. It is never a bad time for Picasso's Pizza, just like it is never a bad time for a new episode of Marvel content on Disney+. And of course, that's what we're talking with Hawkeye hump days, the fourth episode of Hawkeye, now out on Disney+. Be careful because as always, spoilers ahead. But before we get into that, let's get our consultant in here, our main man, the Micah man, Jake Micah. How are we doing today, sir? We're doing great. I think earlier in this year, it was just me and Casali, and now it's me and you, Maniac, holding it down. Going to be a great show, and it was a fun episode of Hawkeye today. Um, after the start of the week we had in Buffalo sports, I was very much looking forward to just settling in with a nice nice episode of our favorite uh, our favorite archer, I guess. I don't know. Maybe Kate's kind of my favorite at this point, I think, but we can save that for later in the show or whatever. But this is a great episode. I'm excited to get into it with you. Super excited. I mean, let's face it. Last week's episode was one of the most intense action packed uh, any of, out of any yeah. of the new Marvel uh, series that we've gotten. So Hawkeye obviously picking up steam and we are into episode four. So we're now halfway over halfway through the series, about two thirds done at the conclusion of this episode. So getting into it on episode four. I mean, the first thing that sticks out, obviously, we do have the interaction between the family and Hawkeye, a little bit of a sit down at the dinner table. But the first thing that sticks out to us regular Joe Schmoes, it's great to see Hawkeye icing up with some vegetables, some uh, some icy products out of the freezer. It made him super relatable. Yeah, he's like, uh, when he's on the phone at some point with Laura here early in the thing, he's like, ah, oh, nothing's broken, don't worry. And I feel like I've said that after like every sporting event I've ever been, like limping around or anything. Like, ah, oh, nothing's broken, like it's fine. Yeah, man, it's it's interesting because we've been talking about you know, kind of what's going to happen with him by the end of this series. We've alluded to it a little bit and everything, but yeah, just, we, you don't see Thor. Thor was never, uh, Thor was never icing up his knees after, after fighting. We were just talking about it. He he rides the rainbow ridge between like seven (laughs) realms, does like a power superhero land. He doesn't even need like an iced tea. It's ridiculous. Hulk. Hulk literally fell through a building, like crashed an entire yes. building around him, and just Bruce Banner just walked up. He was like, "Nah, I'm good." I mean, that's the Hulk. And, and he was more worried about Thanos. He wasn't worried about his personal health. Yeah, at all. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Thanos is coming. And speaking of Avengers level threats, it's got to be one of our favorite terms in the MCU, right? Because anytime you hear those three words, you know there's some serious business going on. This time. They get used by Eleanor Bishop. And let's get into this scene because obviously last week's episode ends with Jack kind of you know, doing the on guard. But in this opening of the episode, we realized he was really just defending the penthouse. It wasn't any pent up animosity. It wasn't some big reveal. It was more just seeing that, wow, someone's in our house and I need to protect us. And I guess the nearest thing was a sword. Little sus there. But what did you think of this tension pack scene and the interaction there? 
Yeah. So we, I went into the whole thing last week, last two weeks. I've been like, listen, Clint, in the comics, they these guys know each other, like some fireworks are going to come right out episode four. And it just, it didn't happen. And it makes me wonder, it made me more sussed out by Jack for him to not mention anything. Like he was just, he was very casual with the fact that Hawkeye was in his apartment. Like at I, least I, Ellen- we, we got to talk about this. <laughs> their, their silence, first his silence in that regard and their casual nature at just having an Avenger in their penthouse was probably the most sus thing in the overall scene. Yeah, like Eleanor's talking to to him, walking him outside, and just like, yeah, just don't get my daughter hurt. Like, I know you're out here, you know, who knows what you're doing as an Avenger, but just, you know, make sure she's okay. Like, no, like, no worry. Like, I imagine, like, if that were my parents in that scenario, or like, I guess a lot of parents, they'd probably be like losing their minds, like trying to get, kick this guy out, call the police. Like, I could, you could see a lot of emotional reactions. There was no zero emotion. They were just like, oh, Hawkeye's here. Nice to see you, Clint. You want to come have like some tea with us? Like come hang yeah. out, pick your brain a little bit. He's like, thank you for saving the world, by the way. And he was like, what? He's like, you know, thanks for saving the world. It was like, what is going on? It just felt like my skin was crawling for Clint a little bit um, sitting in that house because it must have been an awkward, awkward situation for him. It, it didn't feel like anything good could happen for Clint. He's explaining that he's been working with <laughs> Virtually a teenage daughter. I know Kate Bishop keeps saying she's yeah. 22 or whatever, but let's face it, when you're a parent, that's basically still a teenager. But yes, we got to get into this because the whole time, Eleanor Bishop has kind of been in the background, everything. We've seen her talking with, you know, some of the criminal people. We've seen her mm-hmm. casual nature around Jack. At this point, who is more sus to you? Jack, Jack is almost becoming like a red herring in all of this. And yeah. it seems like Eleanor might be the one with something to hide and something going on in the background here. Yeah. Eleanor is the one from the first episode who was talking to Dumond or I can't ever remember that guy's actual name, but she was the one that was getting scolded by him at the beginning. Yes, right. And that's what you a were big like, part. Oh, yeah. Like what's going on here. And then she makes this right after we see our guy, right after we see our guy, Clint leave the premises and she makes a very interesting phone call too. Like she's the one making moves. Like Jack's just kind of around. Like Jack just, is happy go lucky in everything. He does, he does, we haven't seen one. We haven't seen one sign of like intelligence. When he, when he fences Kate Bishop, there's like no animosity. There. He literally nope. wants to let her win. Um, You know, something that you would do if you were trying to woo a mother. So it's very, his behavior, it's either, a reverse red herring, you know, to kind of get us to think that he is maybe not a threat. And then they're going to unveil yeah. something. He's like, by the way, have you seen uh, better call Saul? No, I haven't. Because this actor in. who plays Jack, I can't remember, but mm-hmm. he comes on to like season four of better call Saul. And he's yeah. like a brother of the Salamancas or whatever. And he is by far the most like evil, <laughs> ruthless, ridiculous one. So I'm waiting for him to unleash this. But yeah, I mean, to me, E.B., Eleanor, I mean, I'm, all eyes are on her. Something is definitely going on, and I'm not taking my yeah. eyes off until I see a twist or reveal something. Well, I think they were smart, though, because they knew comic book fans like me and anybody else was going to look this guy up. And the first, like, they had yes. the same thought I had at the end of the last episode, right? Like, oh, so we're going to get, you know, this explanation of their history, whatever. And they just didn't even touch it, didn't even go near it, barely even had them interact after that point. It was all Eleanor really kind of doing the interrogating of interrogating of Clint. It was more like a, I don't even know, it was just like a casual, like, oh, what are you doing here? Like, nice to see you, like, when you bring your friend home from school or something like that. Like, it wasn't an interrogation, but there was no... No animosity from Jack towards the situation at all, not wondering what was going on. Um, and, and, just, and Eleanor's job is in security, right? Like just yeah. uh, making sure. So she gets an alert that her computer has basically been hacked into <laughs> 10 minutes ago. 
And she's not worried, even though she's the head honcho of like a story. So it's, it all goes back into this casual nature. You got Hawkeye yeah. with a B&E with Eleanor, or I'm sorry, with Kate. And it just doesn't add up. I don't know. Mephisto confirmed maybe for Jack? I don't know. <laughs> so do you think that, um, I guess with Eleanor, is it is it her like, is it her just being so diabolical that she can really play it off? Or does she really trust her daughter? Like, or does she just really love her daughter and not want anything to happen to her? Because she was like, Kate, she knew Kate was the one who broke in and she was not really that upset. Like, you would think you would be a little more concerned. I don't know if she knew what she was looking for, if she could see like what files she accessed or not. Cause they were obviously looking up our boy Kazi, who was involved with the tracksuit mafia and everything, found out he was involved with the corporation and everything. But she didn't ask any of those questions. So, like, I'm wondering like how much, like, where her level of trust you know, is you know why you don't you know why you don't ask questions because you already know the answers. That's true. That's exactly yeah. what's guys. That's, that's the thing true. is I keep seeing, you know, every time I expect Eleanor to be like beat down or like, oh, I gotta get out of this situation. She seems like the strongest willed out of everybody. It just yeah. seems like something is up with her. And whether again they want you know, I don't know, is this like yeah. how they drag on Kang for four episodes, you know, or whatever, but <laughs> Just very well, interesting. It's very peculiar to me. It just occurred to me too with with that too is that as you said that like if you ha- you don't ask questions because you already have the answers. Like Kate is basically leading her to where what Kate is looking into, right? Like Kate's asking her was asking her all these questions about Jack and do and her as their uncle and all those connections and everything in that fencing scene. Like she was basically trying to interrogate her. So right after that, Eleanor's like, okay, I know what Kate knows. I know what she doesn't know. Like I know where she's gonna try to look next and everything. So then he, Kate gives her this other clue, logging into her laptop, looking up whatever. Sure, she didn't have the time to delete the search history there. They probably know what she was looking at and everything. So Kate, by just trusting her mother more than she's trusting Jack, is kind of just leading along Eleanor to follow the tracks of what they're doing, too. And maybe that's what we're getting at here is that she's just been kind of not covering up those breadcrumbs for her mom because... You know, it's her mom. Like, why would she expect that? But No, you're absolutely right. She's in a perfect position to discover those breadcrumbs because basically El- or Kate's asking her to help throw them out. She's, you know, she's explaining <laughs> everything. So I get it. No, 100%. Um, hey, well, you know, here at What's Train Arc watching, whether it's just us or if we have our main man, Hollywood, Joe Casale on, it is never <laughs> a problem with teaming up. But throughout this dialogue, um, it seems like Hawkeye wants to be a one-man show. Uh, and whether that's because... You know, he looks at Kate as so young and doesn't want to put her in danger, whether he looks at her as a liability to him or the recklessness of the Ronin costume. Uh, what do you think on the dynamic between Haley Steinfeld and uh, Jeremy Ronin here? I mean, because I think, I think a lot of people liked it, and I enjoyed it for the most part. I think this was, like, the best episode of showing, like, them working together and, like, the actual like the good chemistry because yeah how they don't most... just outright love each other like because you're right in two and three it was almost like they were hit the ground running and they were ready to go even though she's fallen from the ceiling <laughs> exactly yeah so i i think it's been good and i think that it's kate bishop the way that they're portraying her is is very it's a little different from what i what i remember in the comics and everything else with her um but i just i like the I like the way that they're making her look formidable right away too. Like, right. She, like when they're having the little impromptu Christmas party there and she's able to, you know, 
flip, snap that coin that Clint snaps, like just in. in, in By the way, know, were they doing? Was that were they basically doing like quarters? I, I couldn't. I, I think couldn't so, pick up yeah. that uh, that form. Some pretty, like... some pretty damn impressive quarters if you can knock somebody unconscious from twenty feet away. But but or, she or obviously like old TV set. <laughs> but she clearly like has the skill set and everything, and that was the biggest thing I think they needed to sell right away. Is like okay, you're go, you're introducing us. We like everybody in the world knows that we're getting all these different younger Avengers, what they're what they're trying to build up. But you have to we we have history with Hawkeye. With even though it's Hawkeye, like he's been the butt of a lot of Avengers jokes throughout the years, whatever. He's still been around since I mean Thor. Like he's literally like since yeah. one of the original movies and has just kept showing up. And this is finally his spotlight. So you if you're bringing somebody out when you're having trouble getting the um I don't know what the right word I'm looking for here is, but getting the respect that Clint had deserved as an Avenger. Like they're trying to build that up obviously through the show and then introducing another one person who does the same thing. That's like, that was a tough challenge. I was wondering how they would get to that, but I think they've done a really good job making Kate formidable while also like showing us plenty of times that she's a 22 year old kid who thinks she knows everything and doesn't know everything like every other 22 year old kid does. Absolutely. Like for example, having, having her name on the buzzer when she knows she's hanging. <laughs> oh, there's something that Clint Barton wouldn't do. But you're right. It's interesting because Clint really, or, you know, Hawkeye, obviously, you know, he had a couple moments. They obviously had the big quest mm -hmm. with him and uh, Black Widow in Endgame itself. Uh, but he's never really had an opportunity to stand out on his own as Avengers. So this is that first series to do that. And you're right. They're also using it to kind of jettison a new in yeah. a new potential Avenger, you know, one that some people think was it you who was speculating that she might start Avengers Mansion? No, I, this is I would love that though. Okay, because I think Avengers I was Mansion. reading that somewhere, but but in the comics, didn't Tony do that? And obviously, spoiler alert, he's not going to be <laughs> able to do that for uh, for this round. But uh, yeah, I've been reading about that because she already has the huge uh, penthouse and everything. So she does very interesting to see there. Um, they also yeah. just go ahead. They also have a, uh, I'm just in the comics right now. If you haven't seen Eternals, go see Eternals. But the big head in the in the ocean right now or wherever the hell it is, the Avengers live currently not in a mansion, but just in a living, a former body of a celestial. Um, so they, they might be might be improving the, the grounds from a mansion to get up. So who knows? Maybe that'll be the young Avengers. The, the kids are going to have to just live in the lowly mansion while the adults get to go hang out in the dead god planet you, you, you just thing. you just gave me borderline <laughs> entertainment ptsd have you ever seen lost yeah okay so in lost they have like in season three they find that huge statue on the island or whatever <laughs> and then season six opens up and it shows the statue is at the bottom of the ocean and you're like how the hell did that so now i'm just imagining that the avengers are on the lost island with john Locke, <laughs> which would be incredible but let's speak great. of incredible um you know, obviously, once we entered phase two, Marvel kind of discovered, hey, you know, we don't have to break the budget to get two Avengers or a couple Avengers in each flick. And it really strengthens the movie, um, whether it was Thor Ragnarok, obviously Captain America Civil War is a full ensemble. But, you know, um, looking at those and thinking about these team, this team up right here, I was wondering what two Avengers or maybe three Avengers, uh, you know, if you want to bring in a group like the Guardians or something. Who would you like to see have like their own series or quest? I was going to start you off with uh, this one would be cheating, but obviously Thor and Star Lord. Um, my mm -hmm. other one would be um, Sam as Captain America with Bruce Banner. I think with just Bruce Banner, not as Hulk, mm -hmm. kind of like Bruce Banner being the man in the chair. 
could be could be yeah. a little good uh, series there. But who would you, what uh, Avengers you thinking you might like to see team up? I do enjoy that. Couple. Um. All right. So yeah, we we would talk about this a little bit before, and I was trying to think about. I think Spider Man has to be in. Spider Man's in. in is it a lot of great team ups in the comics with guys we haven't seen in the MCU? So I'm not going to use that. You're, you're right. Cheating, you're, but from Happy Hour Hoops, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Go for it. Spider Man to the MCU is who in the NBA right now? Well, the easy answer is Donovan Mitchell because he's Spider. So agreed. Spider Mitchell. That is, that. that is, and he cool. and and Mitchell. It, honestly, it kind of fits though because Mitchell up and coming out again this year. Up and coming. Yep. Yep. Waiting to take that next step. Maybe that's this year. And I think, you know, Spider-Man's about to get that next step with No Way Home. It's about to be a big deal. So, yeah, I think I think it's I think Spider fits for it. But um, I'll definitely give um, man, this is I'm going with Captain Marvel because, you know what? It, it, it's kind of weird right now because he's a lot younger than Captain Marvel is. But in the comics, there is like a funny thing where Peter Parker's kind of always trying to hit on Carol Danvers and it's never working. Um, so that's what I'm rolling with because I think that would be hilarious to see Carol Danvers, the way she is sarcastic as hell dealing with this little kid, this kid from New York. And, and I, love, I like the idea to too. I, lo I like that idea because Peter Parker became a superhero. He gets knighted as an Avenger, mm -hmm. you know, in the, uh, in the infinity war. <laughs> But then he's in the battle in Endgame, and he basically thinks all is lost. He hands off the gauntlet yeah. to Captain Marvel and says, like, oh, you know, how are you going to get through those? Like, people are like, don't worry, she has help. But seeing, you know, that he would be a superhero, he would be in this, you know, in the Avengers and everything, and still <laughs> not believe in another superhero, I think it could, go, could get a real good dynamic off of that. The other one was, uh, unfortunately, and obviously I would love to be Chadwick Boseman, but Thor and Black Panther. Mm. I mean, obviously... Because you could always play off the angle like, you came to save Wakanda. Like, you know, like, because like, like, he really did. He, like, yeah. like crashed into Wakanda and demanded to be seen. <laughs> Probably the most amazing scene in Infinity War. Um, and speaking of amazing, obviously, we, um, you know, we get Hawkeye. He's icing stuff up. He's, and he's still checking with home. I don't know. We, we, we need, a, we need like, a calendar or, like, you know, in... Uh, in Christmas vacation when they would when they would show you that a day was passing because <laughs> I know that they had like a week to Christmas and it feels like all these things are taking yeah. like six to seven days each. And again, I'm not second guessing because you don't see constant sun, sunrise, sunfall. It could just be 36 hours an episode basically. But like, what are they? Maybe three days away from Christmas now, two days away from Christmas at most, it feels like. Yeah. So has it been like one a day? Like, is that what we're doing? Like, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. It was, like, it was a week up? till Christmas, right? Yeah. So well, I wonder, I think we're getting every day and maybe the, the finale is Christmas Eve going into Christmas Day, something like that. Like, that's what I'm, I'm wondering too. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's like, there's a lot going on in these days, bro. Like they, how are they sleeping? Like, when are they getting all their food? Like these guys are out here running around. Like they need some. Get that man a slice of pizza or something. Like, golly. Seriously. And speaking of pizza, I mean, a person who's, you know, yeah. the intro to Pizza Dog continues. I'm not exactly loving, you know, the way that it's fitting <laughs> in so far. I was expecting a little bit more, I guess I would say. Yeah. Is that fair? Yes, yes. I hope okay. that the that, dog needs awesome. to come through a little Still bit. Still tons of room is. for Pizza Dog to save the day, though. I mean, <laughs> let's face it. There is no limit there. So, obviously... So break this down for me in the last scene. So we're getting the Rolex watch. And to be honest, uh, that was a little bit lost on me for a second there. What, what, explain to our viewers again, as we head down the stretch here, obviously, don't forget, spoiler alerts for episode four of Hawkeye. We really haven't talked too much spoilers yet, besides the fact that Hawkeye gets a little bit uh, yeah. banged up. But yeah. talk, tell me about the watch and like what you thought. 
I mean, I thought obviously um, Kate Bishop's immaturity kind of showing a little bit here. Yeah, and it was such a like th- like they brought that watch out in the opening scene, right? And of or not opening scene, but the opening episode, one of the first scenes when Kate's at that party. And yeah, it was you know the black market auction, right? Yeah, and you know it's like obviously they don't just show it to show it. Like you know it's coming up at some point, but we just Chekhov's Rolex, <laughs> and we just haven't heard anything about it until now. So it's just it's been it's such weird pacing with six episodes and how they're doing these shows. Like I feel like this happened with um, with Winter Soldier uh, with Falcon and Winter Soldier as much as anything too. Like the middle episodes. Like they they set up stuff at the beginning and then they were like, we should have just done four episodes, but we need two more. So we have to like spread this out thinner. I think that's kind of where this disappeared and everything. But yeah, Kate, Kate's inexperience, not not following up on the tracks, not following up on what else she was doing. Like she was so single minded in that moment, just trying to figure out what Jack was up to that. She wasn't even worried about, the, you know, whatever other stuff that, you know, if something's coming from Avengers compound at a black market uh, auction, you should probably like take note of that a little bit like it's probably something something important um but laura is the one that's most interested in this and so this is where this this theory apparently this has been out longer than just this episode being released it's been out for almost a year is that if you watch agents of shield which i don't know if anybody did i didn't watch the whole show but there was a character on there named mockingbird who is a very popular mcu character she's an avengers team member um she's she's I'm trying to think she's on pretty much every team, at least some point. She's just very skilled shield agent, basically what you would see from a regular shield agent fighting ability, you know, spy tech, all the, all that good stuff. Super spy extraordinaire, but she's married to our boy, Clint Barton in the comics. Very, very steamy. They've, they've gotten divorced a couple of times. They're apart back together all the time, but they're together. They fight together. They had a little bit of a comic run. You really have to be in love to get divorced and then remarried exactly yeah like the you really that that passion really has got to be there so they're there it's there and i think they're together right now like in the current run whatever but my belief now seeing this it, laura's very interested in this like like clint wasn't even really thinking about it she's like what about the i heard about the rolex what, what about the watch whatever so how likely do we think it is that laura is potentially this character maybe mockingbird maybe just another shield person but somebody that's you know being held up in the family farm like she hasn't left the farm she's never left the farm we've only ever seen her at the family farm is she hey there he is there's our guy we know someone is seen shout out shout out hollywood joe of course he thinks Agents of Shield is awesome. I wish he was here that I can Hollywood Joe about also it. thinks like Kung Pao Enter the Fist is a five-star movie. So <laughs> we'll let him have it next week. But yeah, no, you're right. You're right. The way, especially with the way the conversation went, she's speaking different languages, she's using code yeah. That was more than I'm a mom that has a little experience for sure. And she's been like, and like you said, like she's the guy in the chair. Like she's been, she's been doing all this stuff for him, keeping track of him, like knows all his missions, knows everything he's been through, um, knows all his history with Natasha before all the history that we don't know with them that they still really haven't explored with them. Like she, I kind of like that, that so. too. Don't need to know it all. This isn't the book of Boba Fett. I don't need to know yeah. how, you know, Hawkeye got out of the Sarlacc. Read, if you want to read the comics, they'll probably put a comic out. You can go read that, whatever backstory, whatever. But she she has intimate knowledge of his missions and everything that he's doing. And it, the more it adds up, like as you start picking up the pieces and what you've seen from her, the little bit we've seen from her and their family over the years, it just makes more and more sense that she would 
be this character. I mean, just be, be this person. And especially if they're trying to decanonize Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is allegedly what they're trying to do. I mean, they don't reference it at all. Coulson was like dead and then was brought back in the show and they were doing life model decoys. And it was a whole that the show was it was it went off a little bit off the rails from what the MCU was trying to do, at least. So this would be a good way to bring it back, a character that is very important to the Avengers. I mean, I'm trying to see when she debuted here, um, but just somebody and somebody uh, who's very important I'll, to the Hawkeye lore, too. I'll never, ever get over <clears throat> them getting their ass whooped by Ultron and going to hide at Hawkeye's house. And they're having yeah. a separate conversation for the first time ever. And, and he, she's like, you know, I always support your avenging. <laughs> it just feels so funny to say. Like, I don't know why. It's not like it's a nice supportive thing that she's saying. And obviously, if she's a bigger character now, that line kind of sounds a little bit ridiculous. But I always support your avenging just sounds so hysterical, especially when poor Hawkeye needs to fill the freezer just to make sure he can uh, bounce back. But obviously, we're getting the Rolex. Great scene with the lights. I had no idea what was going on with the lights. You knew something was happening. It wasn't just like a like a Michael Scott hotel party um, with the strobe lights. Um, and then we get Hawkeye fighting somebody else while uh, yeah. while Kate Bishop is very. What t- talk me through how you were watching the scene? Because I was talking. I told you like I didn't really get what was happening at first. How, how did it click for you? Well. That you talked about Kate's inexperience throughout this episode. Here was the the shining example, right? Like Clint, Clint. Now Clint, he he did preface earlier. He's not a very good planner, so he's trying to plan on the spot. Probably should have had this discussion before they got there. I mean, I know they were scoping out and everything, but at least like run her through the logistics. Like I'm gonna be the one breaking. You kind of talk me through, and we'll get out of here. Do whatever we need to do. Kate was like, Nah, like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna walk in the front door. Like why would you not just walk in the front door? And I think right when you saw Kate walking, you knew that, you knew shit was going to be bad. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be a good, good visit to this apartment to begin with, but it I was. I love the guy like, with the groceries. He's like, give me my groceries back. You're like a crazy bra. <laughs> like, that's not even like, that was literally the vibe he was giving her. But I was fucking, I got, I jumped out of my seat when Maya showed up though. Like spoiler alert, we've been talking about whatever. When she showed up in that apartment, I literally was like, whoo, like I was like horror movie scary because the, the yes. sound was all messed up and everything. And then we see that Maya's fighting, fight, fighting Kate in the apartment. They're going after it, that the Rolex is still sitting there and Clint's like, well, who the hell am I fighting? And that's where we get the real intrigue of this episode. And I think the major point of this episode, this like, the the reveal at the end here that we're gonna get into and Clint this whole two on two battle, this is what we were waiting for, right? Like we've been waiting for this since since June, since July. It was great because every time we've seen like a two, we, we know that Kate Bishop and ha- and Clint are on the same team, and every time we've seen a two v randoms battle in you know Marvel, they're fighting the two. Whereas yeah. when uh, Maya and spoiler alert Yelena were mm-hmm. fighting all of a sudden they just start punching each other so it was like kind of a great action sequence where everyone was fighting everyone the only two who weren't throwing push-ups or, or punches were kate and uh hawkeye but yes elena on the scene obviously looking for that you know revenge that was promised yeah. to her by valentina i'm on i'm hoping we're gonna see valentina in this because obviously um you know there's a lot of implications there but how excited are you that you know we're getting what is this phase four crossover content? Would you refer to it? Right? Yeah, I guess so. Right. Like this is first kind of time, first, right? Like this is kind first of the first time, time yeah. where, where something from one entity has kind of come over and, and interacted with another entity. 
Yeah, and I think we know that we're that's coming, right? Like we know oh, with and, the multiverse and, and stuff. Every, in every gonna, way, shape, and form. So this is just, it's the, be just the drop in our the face. Yeah. And the thing that interested me most about Yelena is the timing that she did show up though, because as we were talking about our girl Eleanor earlier, she made a call to somebody in that apartment as Hawkeye was leaving, and then Yelena shows up knowing exactly where they're heading. And she's got a tracker on Kate. Like she knows what she's up to. Kate. And it ain't Hawkeye's first rodeo. He knows someone, <laughs> he knows someone enlisted a black widow. So he's like, yeah. that's, that's a problem. And he was probably, and this, the fact that he saw that it was a black widow was probably just jarring enough for him. Oh, after We saw like the PTSD nuts. he's been going through this whole time and everything. So it adds another layer to what, like we're last week, we're talking about Wilson Fisk and Kingpin. And we, I think we saw him. I mean, I think we heard Vincent D'Aprio's voice, that whole connection with Maya. And then that kind of gets put on the back burner a little bit this week. I mean, they show up, the Rolex is obviously at Maya's apartment and that's how they kind of tie her in. But the, the list of Hawkeye enemies is obviously he, it's bigger than he thought. And that's, You're that's right. the main They've point. Given- he had no idea. They've given themselves a lot of open trajectory in these last two episodes. Whereas when you look at Loki, it was like, okay, we've got to get like Kang or whoever's controlling the multiverse in here. When you look at Falcon and Winter Soldier, the the Falcon and Winter Soldier really lucked out with that shield smash at the end of episode four. Because that (laughs) kind of triggered the falling action of five and six for sure. But yes, this is very open-ended and there's a lot of opportunities um, for where this can go. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like the partnership between Kate and Clint is any is is any longer at the present. Yeah, I mean, and for good reason, right? Like Clint is he promised Eleanor, he's like, I, I won't put her in danger. And this is the most we if you saw Black Widow, you know how dangerous the Black Widow assassins are, and you know how damn dangerous Yelena is too. And he doesn't know who Yelena. I don't think he has any idea of who no, Yelena is. No, he didn't he maybe. didn't have a full realization. He just knew there was a Black Widow for sure. Yeah. That and so so the He's going to find that out soon, right? Like there's got to be some conversation between Yelena and and Clint that happens in these next two episodes. And Yelena's not somebody without reason. Like she is out. She's a hired assassin. She's a trained killer. But if he like get like even to talking to her and they can start talking about Natasha, like that's that conversation is going to be convincing pretty damn quick. Like you're going to be able to tell he's not lying about what happened to her in Endgame? Like he's, it's going to be very emotional moment. It was emotional for him, even just talking about Natasha in this episode with Kate earlier in the time. But the biggest thing is, I think the biggest takeaway is we think we're all these criminal organizations between the tracksuit mafia. If we think Kingpin is coming back, getting involved, we know Contessa is up to something with you know our guy. What now? It's escaping my name. Um, just call him Helper. Helper, which one? AKA, I'm thinking AKA, of the U.S. The agent, guy, the guy aka. The, oh, what, who oh uh, John Walker. Name? John Walker. John Walker. John you're Walker. You're right. You're right. They really gave him the most like American <laughs> name ever. U.S. Yeah. We're not gonna need a Captain America. We're gonna need a U.S. agent. U.S. <laughs> agent. <laughs> that was really good because I, I didn't I didn't know that that character was called U.S. agent. I'm still a Marvel <laughs> noob, and that's what makes fun. So I looked that up. And then I was rewatching that scene, and that like hits like ten times harder when you know the character. Yeah. Like, even, and he's John Walker's just such a dweeb, absolute dweeb right now. So I love it. I love the idea of him just being a pawn, um, just like kind of Yelena's being a pawn. Let's face it, right now, yeah. Vale said that Hawkeye was owner's counsel. Couldn't be less true, even though it's kind of directly is true. 
Um, yeah. but not not factual, I guess. Would be and the what case. the hell does Contessa know? Like, how does she have any like like does that's like, the great that's the great part of don't know what she even knows? Like she could just be she she we don't know. I don't know if she knows everything that happened. She knows he took the serum, she just knows all this shit. She just she just non-stop semi-bluffs until she gets caught. That's what makes the character great. And you're obviously like a little bit more in tune to the comics. I've heard from people reading that she's basically like uh Nick Fury on the other side almost. She is, yeah. And oh, that's a, gonna be a, awesome. There's a run in the comics that also includes our boy Norman Osborne, who is evidently showing up in No Way Home one way or another. If it's going to be we're going to get two Normans, whatever we're going to end up seeing in there. But she runs a, a, another Avengers team when somehow all the bad guys end up taking over S.H.I.E.L.D. because everybody hates the Avengers, which seems like we're going towards a more distrust of the Avengers or distrust of just any heroes in general. Superhero entities. I get it. Yeah. yeah. A thousand um, percent. So I think that yeah, she's she's directly involved with that. She's involved. She's involved with Hydra. She's Madam Hydra at some point, but she also works with Shield at some point. So Contessa's just kind of she's out here just doing what's best for her. Like I love that. Go, she's go got all the plus. She's got career flexibility, <laughs> which is all you can ask for. Thanks for tuning in, hey everybody, on this breakdown of Hawkeye episode four here on What's Trainwreck Watching, sponsored by as always the most delicious pizza in Western New York, Picasso's Pizza. Before we go, Micah. Big trailer this week. We're about three weeks away now, actually, um, from, I believe, new episodes. Book of Boba. That, my goodness, the hype for this thing is out the wazoo. And it's crazy because a year and a half ago, I mean, honestly, in my Star Wars mind, I was demoralized. I was kind of beaten down. <laughs> the, the sequel trilogy took a lot out of us. It took a lot out of yeah. diehard Star Wars fans because it was basically a big fuck you money grab from Disney. I'm yeah. not afraid to say that. I love Disney. I love Disney+. Plus but they completely mismanaged the sequel trilogy. And Star Wars is something I love. So it was astounding when you had uh, Mandalorian, not just season one, but now we had Boba Fett back in season two of Mandalorian yeah. last year. And not only that, but he just comes back in the most badass of ways, just literally <laughs> defeating every stormtrooper in sight and then rocket jetpacking two uh, troop ships at once, amazingly. Yeah. And now he'll have his own uh, story. So I'm looking very much forward to that. What are you most looking forward to now that we've seen a little bit of the trailer and and how they're showing that they're going to definitely get into a little bit of, of his comeback? Yeah, I'm just I'm excited to see how much of the lore they decide to to explore, especially like the Mandalorian side and just kind of like where that where that all falls, like how much he I don't know. I'm just interested to see like what his motives have been for what he's been doing. I mean, we know Boba, he's obviously a bounty hunter. He was obviously going to take whatever the biggest paycheck is and everything like that. But he he clearly has a code that he has been standing by for a long time. And that's the thing I'm most interested to see because I don't think it's been fleshed out enough to see like kind of where he lays on that thing and where like when he gets faced with a more, more morality choice in this show eventually, like what way is he going to go? Like we know he helped out our guy Mando when he could, but that was a very different situation than things that we could see him in. So I'm just most excited to see like kind of how they align him going forward and if there's going to be more to this story or if he's going to be involved more um in this story that the greater story that they're trying to tell here because i didn't when mando came out i don't know why i didn't think knowing what the mcu has been i was like oh this is gonna be like a cool story they're gonna tell like wasn't thinking of any expanded you know star wars stories more story like other connected entities and everything that they're planning on doing so I'm very excited to see where Boba 
hopefully falls into line with the connected story they're telling with Ahsoka and everything else that's leading to what was it called? The the Disney plus Star Wars exclusive event that's going to come from all these shows. So yeah, that would oh be yeah. Amazing. <laughs> so yeah. whatever it whatever it ends up being, I, I'm very interested to see where Boba lies in there, good side or bad. And what's the line from the trailer? I'm just saying, uh, is it was it that Jabba Jabba ruled by fear and that he wants to rule by like respect or something like that? Yeah. Basically, that's gonna be a huge thing. I can't wait to see it, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see one idiot in that <laughs> in that hive of scum and villainy. Maybe he's had a little too much blue milk or something. You know, somebody is gonna make a dumbass Sarlacc comment, and they are gonna pay the mother fucking mandalorian price and i can't wait <laughs> it's gonna be great man i cannot wait wait that's a, the, what a gift what a gift from disney plus this i agree they're hot up. right now and, uh. and the key thing for me keep it between favreau filoni and watiti okay we yeah. can't have anybody else on ground I, I respect abrams as a creator or whatever but there was just such a blatant disregard shown for the building out of the star wars universe and the continuity it just absolutely rubbed me the wrong way. I only trust it. That's my holy trinity. Literally, whether it's Marvel, <laughs> whether it's Marvel, whether it's Clone Wars, whether it's anime, there's Favreau, Filoni, Watiti, in them yeah. I trust. And in us, you should trust, folks. Make sure you're following along. Obviously, SoundCloud, Spotify, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, get on where, anywhere you can, because you know, we're always excited here at What's Trainer Watching. We, we, we don't get hype. We stay hype because Ooh. it's not about tomorrow's plans. It's not about what's coming up this weekend. It's always about next, next week's, week's episode. episode.